The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network. Smith for the feet, he's to the 10, the 5, touchdown! Oh, oh, what a tackle! Evans up the middle to the 5, into the end zone, touchdown, Eastern Michigan! Straight from the 7-3-4, it's the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast, presented by the Foling Warehouse, your weekly chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all, Greg Steiner and Tom Helmer. It might be President's Day today, but a guy that never takes a day off and might be up for Dad of the Year, Tom Helmer. How about him taking his daughter to North Carolina to see her favorite band and getting backstage access? Congratulations, Tom. Front Thank you. Dad of the Year. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't costly at all uh, or time consuming to go down there. But yeah, we went to... There's a band called the Brook and the Bluff. They're out of Birmingham, Alabama. I first saw them a couple of years ago. They opened for a singer named Ash in Detroit, which is a concert I took my daughter and her best friend to. And I'm like, these guys are actually good. They got kind of a Dave Matthews vibe a little bit or something. I mean, their music, they sound great live. And I was like, all right, they're all right. And then they came to Detroit again. And I took uh, my daughter down there for that show, but my wife was able to kind of get in contact with their band manager, and we ended up meeting the band before the show, and they played a couple of Abby's favorite songs. We're like, great. Well, Abby was a little down a couple weeks ago, and um, she it was just before she started a new job, and I said, what if I took you to North Carolina for the opening of the second leg of the tour for the Brook and the Bluff down in Asheville, North Carolina? She's like, yes. So Thursday, we jumped a plane, landed in Asheville at 6 o'clock, by seven o'clock, we were at the venue, which had great pizza, phenomenal pizza. It's a bar called the Orange Peel. Have you been to Asheville? I've driven through it. I don't know. I, I don't even what I did qualified as driving through it. I know I was in a part of Asheville. It's beautiful when you fly in. A lot yeah, of absolutely yeah, right in the mountains, everything else. Are those the Blue Ridge or the Smokies? What are those? Yeah, Blue Ridge Mountains, part Blue of the Smokies. Yeah, that's what John Denver was singing about a little bit, wasn't he? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he, he was he was talking about West Virginia a little bit. Too. Yeah, he was. You're right. Not, not North Carolina. At least that's how the song goes. But we got there and then uh, met a guy that we'd been emailing that was running this tour. And then he's like, hey, you want to go back and hang out with the band? We're like, sure. So we went that's backstage and they remembered Abby. So they're like, Abby. And she started listening like, are you going to play... Um, Prove me wrong. They're like, yeah, we're going to play it for the first time live. And are you going to play this song, Rush? Like, yeah, we're going to play that. And she was like all fired up. And so they gave her VIP seating right next to the stage. And she stood the whole show. And when the show was over, we went to the hotel. We got up first thing in the morning. We had a 39-minute connection at Charlotte Airport. And if you're flying the little planes out of Asheville, they park way out in no man's land. So we were hustling we got to the gate about four minutes before the door shut and as i got on the plane i noticed the front of the plane like where uh we were uh, on an air like american and they had some extra leg room seats in the front that nobody was sitting in and of course i bought tickets way in the back where we were jammed in like sardines and so i figured this is my free dessert moment right there's no dessert on the flight let's let's shoot our shot for a free upgrade and i said oh i I did get an email about that you could upgrade seats and I was in such a hurry. I didn't do it. And they go, well, you're supposed to do upgrades with the gate agent. And I said, 
Oh, well, you know, that that's fine. Hey, I, I'll sit in the back. I don't mind. It just, I wish I could have done it. I'll know better for next time. Little sob story. So Abby and I go beg, wedge back in our seats in the back and she's going to take her backpack and put it under the seat. And I go, just hold on for a second. And not two minutes later, the flight attendant goes, man, she goes, come with me. And then she walked us up, gave us both aisle seats on pretty much empty rows. And we could spread out and had plenty of leg room. I'm like, I this is say it's like they were going to come back and tell you it's like some of our football trips where they're like, no, no, there's so much weight in the back already. You got to stay there because otherwise the plane tips up. But OK, that works. Yeah. I mean, maybe that was some of that, too. I'm not That's- a skinny guy. So uh, but we yeah, so we got a little leg room. We got back and landed at the gate. Right next to Chick-fil-A, where you're uh, in the frequent cluckers club. And we grabbed a couple sandwiches and headed out the door. So you had, all you had all. a strong week. Abby will never forget that trip with her dad. And an awesome opportunity that you got to do that. And then you got to turn around and call some exciting basketball, too. Uh, so it, it was a great week for you. It was a great win for the men against Bowling Green. A chance to redeem themselves after they opened the season January 2nd down in Ohio and got upended in overtime in a game in which Eastern shot 14 free throws in that first meeting, and they shot 38. Now, if you'll notice, it was much more even this time around, and that was the difference. And Eastern Michigan did it without Orlando Lovejoy. He had a collision in that Louisiana Monroe game. They put him through the concussion protocol. And you probably know more about the protocol than I do, but it's like you got to be, you got to feel good. And then you got to be able to practice a little bit. You got to go through all these stages. Yeah, you got to go through progression to be able to show that you can return to normal activities and not have either problems with getting sick as you work out or have headaches. All those things can set you back. There's no rhyme or reason on how the body sometimes lets you progress through. But yeah, those are very much regimented and and they follow them to a T. So yeah, he was he was out. But again, as you look at it, they've had a short bench for a little while and they they they've made it work. But the the guard situation is the problematic thing for him because the short bench is really all that guard spot. We don't have Lovejoy. You don't have McGriff. Rice has got a red shirt year. You really don't have a lot of options. So they used a lot of Micah Schneiders. Uh, you had Arna Osonik in there. You used some Connor Servin to go big in the lineup a little bit. So you had to do all this. And I joked with Stan before the game. I go, clearly Acuff's going to play another 40 minutes. He's like, yeah. He goes, that was going to be the case anyway. Like, we're just on this 40-minute-a-game train with Acuff now. And I said, it's it's got to be hard. Like, you can't pull him out of the game. He's He's your guy. And he says he does, you know, sometimes he'll take a possession or two off defensively. He goes, I'm not even mad about it. Like, Tyson knows when to pick his spots and make himself as strong as he can for 40 minutes. And it worked out against Bowling Green. So that was a huge win. And as you mentioned, now it's off to Buffalo, the team you already beat. You got a chance for a little momentum. Every time I want to look at the standings and think they're done, they're not. They're still in it. They still have a chance there. Right now they play some teams in front of them that they got to hop. Yeah, right now tied for 10th. They're going to have to to pick up some wins uh, that are going to be upsets. So there's no doubt about that. But you look at ACAF, now the uh, name Mac Player of the Week for the second time this year. But a oddity, the last time Eastern Michigan won in Buffalo, uh, 2004. Oh, well, it's a tough road trip. It's one of those. And it's just like going to NIU. It's really you're on the outliers of the Mac regional book there. And... Uh, so and they've had some good teams. Now this is not one of them. It's a team that's won two games all year. Um, 
So I don't I don't know how committed this team still is as you head into the final six games. And I'm talking about Buffalo. If you're obviously going nowhere, you're you're dead last in the MAC. Um, I don't know how amped up you are to ruin someone else's season. So it feels like if you could start this game the same way you did Bowling Green, you're up 22 to nine. I think pretty quick Buffalo would be like, all right, let's just let's just play some playground basketball and take our L and move on and hope this season ends sooner than later. So the men this week are at Buffalo and then they'll be at Ball State coming up on Saturday. Women's basketball on Wednesday. They're in Kalamazoo to take on a pesky Bronco ball club that got them the first time around. And then they travel to Oxford, Ohio on Saturday to take on a Miami club that's similar to them, uh, just trying to find their way. So an opportunity, as you mentioned, both clubs have chance to pick up two wins this week and then uh you saw baseball they picked up a a win in uh, really a convincing fashion of uh, with 16 runs they scored against belmont gives robbie Britt his first career eastern michigan win so congratulations to him but they uh dropped the series overall this week they're in southern indiana which is uh on the farthest tip that you can find on the hoosier state so that's not a small trip to get to no, and uh, hopefully it'll be, you know, some warmth down there for him. Yeah, as I looked at those Belmont scores, I thought, you lost two games by one run, you lost one by two, and then throttled them in a game by 10. So it's a, it's a good start, really. Good start. And, and pitching, I know, was something that they've been concerned about. You found some guys to step up. But when you, you're bringing in 19 new people, you just didn't know what you were going to get in that first yeah. weekend. Yeah. And it t- you're you're getting you're playing in some warmer weather. You're outside. It's it, There's an adjustment period in the beginning of the season. And you're playing a ton on the road. They're not home till mid to late March when Michigan comes in to play them at Osterwick Stadium. So you're going you're gonna to have to be a road warrior here in the early part of the season then eastern michigan lacrosse they're in the nation's capital this weekend sunday they'll be taking on howard and then back at home we also have the mac indoor track and field championships this weekend at bowen field house so that'll be a an adventure in its own right as eastern michigan tries to add to its mac leading count 157 mac championships and trying to add more on the distinguished track side uh this week tom we get some special guests uh we go golf heavy this week as we think about uh, being outside. We got to sit down with 32nd year men's head golf coach Bruce Cunningham. Crazy to think 32nd year uh, because the guy has been an Eastern Michigan legend and now has a building named in his honor. How fantastic. And we love talking with him. In fact, we taped an interview and then we probably spent almost another hour talking with him about golf. He had a great Jack Nicholas story. Um, and we finally found somebody who's been at Eastern Michigan longer than you. So that in itself is a, is a headline right there. Yeah, I can say anytime you can beat me on the longest tenured uh, number, he's doing okay. <laughs> so uh, a long ranging conversation as Tom mentioned, but one of the things that I think uh, is interesting is Bruce's conversation just about how the game has changed because Again, when you were a student athlete, it was just kind of golf was something you didn't weight lift, didn't train for. You just kind of played. Yeah. And now these are they're such specialized student athletes. They are specialized. And some of these players have swing coaches and some of them have nutritionists. And you see a lot more. And I don't think it's good. A lot of young athletes, I'm talking maybe pre-high school, are getting locked into one sport and trying to be an expert at that sport. When in reality, 
you should be playing a variety of sports that help develop the whole body. And, you know, playing basketball can still make you a better football player or being a football player can make you a better baseball player. There's different things that go hand in hand that help you develop. But yeah, the equipment's change. Um, there's an adjustment to coming to the college level and playing longer distance courses. There's there's a lot that goes into it. And you really don't think about it. You're like, oh, golf. I, I look at it and I'm like, look at the schedule. You're going to play at Pinehurst. Look at all these warm locations. I should have picked up a club when I was younger. And then our second guest is someone who picked up a club when we were younger. And that's Riley Kim from Women's Golf. Uh, she was a late bloomer that really that didn't plop onto the golf radar until uh, her junior senior campaign. And Stephanie Jennings saw her at the AJA junior tournament out in Vegas, or uh, maybe it was California, one of the two. And all of a sudden she finds herself here in Ypsilanti. So a, a interesting story on that happening. It's always fascinating when an athlete picks up a sport late in high school, and then they end up playing division one in that sport. Like they're just have that athletic mindset or they're just so good at what they do. You know, I, I could have picked up stuff 10 years before college. There was no way I was going to be D one in anything. Well, you saw those guys just the other day, they signed the first ever scout uh, college scholarships to go play cornhole. So maybe I still got a chance. I, I mean, you caught me in the act of, of playing video games there in the the hallway at retro arcade day. Maybe, I, maybe we still both have a chance because uh, at burger time, I was crushing it in. You were crushing it. The fact you use the term I caught you does let me know you were slacking on your duties at the arena that day. But you you made it on the leaderboard at Burger Time. I have not seen that game since the 80s, maybe early 90s. Like I forgot that game existed till I saw you playing it. Uh, is that kind of how In and Out got its start? They saw this burger yeah. time game and said, We could do that too. Yeah, let's start slinging burgers. Yeah, I think that's at least that's how the movie will say it was. Walk around throwing pepper because that's how you freeze people. See, I didn't even remember the pepper part of like that. I just knew you could like drop a topping down on the what's chasing you a chili pepper and an egg. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then you could drop them to and then squish them. Yeah. Yeah. This is where the discussion's gone. We're talking about burger time and dropping condiments on burgers. I was yeah. much better at burger time than I was. Uh, uh, Donkey Kong, because I, again, for whatever reason, I couldn't jump over those uh, rolling barrels for to save my life. But you just again, kept timing it wrong. Yeah, I, I had no timing, no rhythm, much like the dance floor. Is it Galaga or Galaxaga? I Galaga? was told Galaga. All right, I wasn't. It, that would get away from me too. Um, and the one Space Invaders, where they keep coming down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a good show. Uh, I mean. It's at least it's more entertaining than the NBA All-Star game was yesterday. Yeah, it's the worst All-Star game in sports, I think. Because and, and hockey's not far behind it. They play that three on three. Um, the dunk contest, I think, has been a no-go for a while. What you have a guy that plays like G League that won it. There's only so many ways to dunk a basketball. There's so many ways to eat a Reese's pieces. You don't need to watch either one of them. This is what I would do if I were changing the dunk contest. Who can dunk? The highest, the backboard keeps moving up. Like, can somebody throw down at eleven five or something? You know, or or you do it based on their their reach and vertical. Like, who's got the biggest vertical that can dunk? Type of thing. That would probably be more fast. Because I've heard stories about guys that could like set a nickel on a backboard or something like that. All right. Well, how high can you throw down? It would at least give it a different aspect. But it's 
It's like where the NFL Pro Bowl went when it became unwatchable and everybody was leaning on each other and fake tackling. And it's it's not not good entertainment. Baseball is still the best all-star game. Purest as they can be. Tom, we'll listen to you uh, a couple times on the radio. You and I will join together tomorrow for Men at Buffalo on WEMU. Thanks for your time, as always. Plenty of golf in store. And then we look forward to catching back up next week when we'll talk maybe Eastern punching its ticket ever closer to Cleveland's. Are you ready? Ready to find the right care that works for you? Care that connects you to what you need anytime, anywhere, and fits best with your lifestyle? Whether it's in person or in your pajamas, online or over the phone, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan connects you to the care you need when you need it most. With the largest network of doctors and hospitals, an easy-to-use mobile app, and a 24-hour nurse line. Because we're always ready to help. Learn more about Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan at bcbsm.com. It's here. Bowling Warehouse. And sports will never be the same. Bowling combines the best of bowling and football. But you don't have to be good at either to have a great time at the Foling Warehouse. Ipsy Ann Arbor's newest place to play is now open. 20 lanes, two bars, over 100 beers. The Foling Warehouse at the corner of Washtenaw Golfside in Ypsilanti, where everyone comes to play. There's only one place in the state of Michigan that takes you straight inside the locker room. And that's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action, bringing you more coverage than any other program in the mitten. Trials and tribulations of being a freshman golfer. She excelled in the fall and will hope for a big spring. Riley Kim joins us. What's it like to have spent a winter in Michigan? Granted, you're not out of the woods yet, but a little different than what you experienced in Virginia. Definitely different. We, I don't think I've ever seen this much snow in my life. I mean, there was maybe one year where we got a decent amount of snow, but that was about 10 years ago. So it's definitely different waking up every day and seeing a bit of snow and having to wipe off my car every morning and all that. But Have you developed a routine? Like uh, you, you go out and brush it off first or what's kind yeah, of the go-to? I, well, luckily, like I just got a new car so I can start it on my phone. Ooh, and then so go. it'll defrost and everything, which is I'm very grateful for. But I, I keep forgetting to like lift my windshield wipers up. So it's like, oh, man, I have to like wipe it all off and then like uh, make the windshield wiper go. So I'm still learning. That's where you got to find an apartment that has a car port so you don't have to worry about that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still learning about how to, you know, handle snow and ice and just the cold, I guess. What's the transition like been for you to come from Virginia as a freshman? Granted, you were playing all around the country in, in the junior amateur, but it's different when you're playing in college now. Definitely. Um, I think the transition honestly went as smooth as it could have gone, which I'm very grateful for. Coach made it great. She made it very easy and I felt very close to the team pretty much instantly. I would have to attribute, you know, how like the transition to just my family. My sister was a division three athlete and, you know, she kind of explained, you know, all the things that go inside college athletes athletics and just being a student athlete and my dad he always told it to me straight that it's going to be hard and you're going to have to find time to do everything you need to do and time management is important is probably the most important thing so I would say just had a really good um, support team around me that made it easy transition and you know all the 
older girls on the team made it easy. And um, it helps that in the summer I was playing well. So that kind of just that momentum built into the season, which I'm grateful for. And yeah, looking forward to a new spring season. When you look at the game of golf, some people start early, some people start late. When did you get playing? Late. I started late. I started um, end of eighth grade into ninth grade. You know, I have really only had about five years of experience now, whereas I know a lot of people have 10 years, 12, right. et cetera, a lot of years of experience. So I started late, but I, I worked hard to get here. And, you know, I'm grateful for every opportunity I've ever had. What got you going? Like for me, it was I, I, stupidly. My dad loves golf. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that because he did it. And then now I look back like I could have been doing that a whole lot sooner and <laughs> yeah. probably been a lot better than I have. What was it that first like, OK, we're going to get going? Into well, I played basketball for most of my life. Um, my sister played college basketball. She played basketball all her life. So I followed in her footsteps, but it was never really my sport. Okay. I never really felt as connected to it as she had. And so funnily enough, like one of my really close family friends, my dad's really close friend, he always played golf and he was like, he just wanted me to go out there one time. So I went out with him and I did all right. You know, I wasn't great by any means, but I hit the ball enough where they were like, okay, maybe you have some talent. And so quit basketball, started golf and now here I am. Yeah, I was going to say, it's worked out for you. You hold your high school's record for lowest nine-hole average as well as 18-hole average. And uh, you know, lots of other records dumped in there. What was your most proud moment in your high school career? Ooh, most proud moment. Winning our regional tournament was pretty big for me. I had just come off a pretty tough summer. And, you know, I was going back into the high school season where I had a good team, good coach. And so I was just playing well, did all right in districts and was able to play at a course for the regional tournament that I really enjoy. And so I ended up winning it and then went on to states and finished fifth. So that's a pretty big achievement for me. And yeah, I mean, it kind of set the way for the rest of my kind of senior year. Here with Riley Kim, uh, Eastern Michigan women's golf. How do you get noticed by coach? What was that first interaction like? And how'd you make sure that she was like, okay, Eastern is a, a place that I could see myself coming to? Uh, it was December of 2022. 2020, yeah, 2022, I was just finished off my senior season with high school and I had an AJGA event out in Las Vegas, the senior so showcase. Played well on the first day. I think I like halfway through the second round. I was leading the tournament, had a couple blow up holes, but I guess that was enough for coach to, to want to take a look at me. And uh, I remember like I was going up the 18th hole and I saw her walking with my parents like, who is this? But they had a good chat along that 18th hole, 17th hole. And then afterwards, she came up to me and said, from Eastern Michigan, and we had a good chat. And then we kind of kept communication for the rest of the month and then came to visit in January. Here I am. I'm going to say, is it an easy decision? Is it something that weighed a lot on you? How does that, having never had to pick in that right. aspect, what's that like? It might have been the easiest decision of my life. Very easy. I love how Coach just was very honest and straightforward with her program desires. And, you know, um, she resonated well with my family. And, you know, it's a D1 offer. You know, it's hard to say no to a D1 offer, especially after starting so late, I didn't have many offers. And to um, get put in the lineup early right. also says something about your ability to adjust. Yeah, definitely. But like I said earlier, like, I just had a really seamless transition and I was playing well and I felt confident in my game. And obviously I'm grateful for coach to kind of have that same confidence in me and guess it proved well. What do you look back at this fall and now hope to really improve on this spring? 
definitely just scoring in general. We had a chat yesterday and talking about, you know, I really have to believe that I can shoot the low numbers that I know I'm capable of and then you'll get it. It's kind of one of those mental blocks that I've had for a while where, you know, you have to believe that you're going to score low in order to do it. So it's kind of that and obviously cleaning up some little things, some mechanics and that stuff. But I think, you know, when I'm playing my best, there's no reason why I can't shoot under par. As much as golf is a game of, you mentioned repetitions and mechanics, it's so mental. How do you go about making sure your mental game is really strong? I think I just carry a very, I guess, easygoing mentality into it. I'm never too hard on myself. And when I do catch myself being hard on myself, that's when I'm playing my worst. So it's kind of realizing that, you know, take everything one shot at a time. Another thing that me and coach were talking about a couple days or yesterday and just staying in the moment, really um, realizing that one bad shot out of 72 or 54 holes won't make or break, you know, my entire tournament. And so it's keeping that in the back of my mind and also just trusting the process, which is something I've been, that's the saying that I really resonate with, you know, believing that the way you're going is correct. And yeah, also having faith, which is something I've recently started exploring, you know, faith in the Lord that he has, you know, the right plan for me. It was the right plan to come to Eastern Michigan. It was the right plan that Eastern Michigan also happened to be opening a brand new training facility. What was it about that first experience walking in there and, and seeing this is our real home now? Yeah, um, it was definitely just a spectacular experience, you know, knowing that for the next four years, this is where I'll be practicing pretty much daily is, you know, it really sits well with me and it's promising, especially for, you know, new incoming classes that this is what they're going to have to look forward to. And I think that ultimately helps in just the success of the team going forward. What do you think is the biggest thing that you're going to use that for? Is it the the study space? Is it the hanging out with teammates? Or is it really bearing down and being on that practice putting green? I mean, I think that really is it. Um, Just being able to put in the work all the time. Because, you know, we're in Michigan, it's cold. You don't get, especially for like short game and putting and that stuff, you don't really get an opportunity to do that very much. So I think just having a practice green, putting, chipping, that is huge. I actually think we met in the classroom before we met about right. student athletes. Uh, You're a sports management major, Correct. something that interests you. What is kind of the the current goal and plan that you seem to want to go to? I know things change, but what, what's the plan right now? I want to play professionally post-college. Um, you know, I really just want to give my shot at playing professionally and, you know, seeing how far I can go and how much, I guess, I can do moving forward. But if that doesn't pan out, something with my sport management degree, just staying in golf, whether that's teaching or marketing or something like that. You seem to pepper me with a lot of social media questions, too, if I remember right. So maybe something in there, too. Yeah, Yeah. I think so. I remember meeting you. I just don't remember all the questions I asked you. (laughs) But, yeah, I was definitely sort of just – I take an interest in social media, but ultimately it's golf is my main goal. No one from Eastern Michigan has ever made the NCAA tournament as an individual. How awesome would it be for you or one of your teammates to finally crack through that ceiling? I mean, that'd be amazing. That's, I guess, the end goal, really. You know, playing in the NCAA tournament, winning it is, you know, a big goal of mine. Um, but I don't think you can look that far in advance. You gotta, you have to take it one day at a time, one tournament at a time. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you know, maybe it's just not in the cards. But, you know, obviously you want to work towards that. But 
I'm not going to beat myself up over it if I don't make it. <laughs> Lots of room to grow and growth, and we'll look forward to watching your journey this spring and hopefully leading Eastern Michigan to that first back tournament title. Definitely. Riley Kim, on this episode of the Eastern Insider, we carry on after this. This episode of the Eastern Insider podcast is brought to you by National Trails Bus. Safety, comfort, reliability. Come ride with us, as well as Trinity Health. Trinity Health is the preferred healthcare provider of EMU Athletics. Get top-tiered orthopedic and spine care to get you back in the game, as well as standard printing and design, the standard of excellence in design and print for small business. You're listening to the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast, presented by The Folding Warehouse, the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. Now let's get back to the action with Greg Steiner and Tom Helmer. One of the longest tenured head coaches in EMU history, Bruce Cunningham, joins us, head men's golf coach. Does it feel weird to hear longest tenured in EMU history after all these years? Yeah, absolutely. 32 years goes quick. It sure does. You get to some of these competitive uh, competition sites and you start to realize you remember different players on different holes and it uh, becomes relevant really quick. You realize how long you've been been at this. (laughs) Well, we know you've been in it a long time. Tell me the story of how you got here, how you became the golf coach at Eastern Michigan. I was assistant at Oakland Hills for six years and... Tom Pendleberry, who's the uh, he was the director of golf and general manager at Eagle Crest, and Roy Wilbanks, you know, they had knew a couple people at at uh, Oakland Hills. It was time for me to get to my first job. So my first job here was I was both dual position head golf professional and the men's golf coach, which was great because you know the six years it was just time to move on from Oakland Hills. And at this point, Tom was both the director of golf and the men's golf coach here at Eastern. And the job was getting big, needed to add another person. So he was able to give up, you know, he needed help both at the golf course and they needed a PGA, you know, class A PGA professional here at Eagle Crest. And um, at that time here on golf club and then also men's golf coach. So it, you know, it worked out great. It was a great transition and, uh, I was thinking I was 30 years old at that point. It was, it came at a great time in my life, great opportunity and try to make Roy and Tom proud every, every day that they made the right choice. I think it's worked out all right. I mean, you've done, you've won MAC championships on the other side you look at it. Eagle Crest has gone from just a course that people played to now you're, you see them being ranked ninth best collegiate course in the country and to think that you've had a big part of how it's grown and developed over those years. Absolutely. It's to be in the top 10 in the country. There's a lot of great university owned golf courses, but you know, to have the Marriott, the, the whole complex and it's great that our performance center is out there. Now that area just keeps getting better and better. The resort is better. The golf course just keeps making adjustments. West Blevin, Lewins, our general manager and director of golf there, is doing an incredible job. And it's great to see how it's grown because the vision that Roy had, you know, probably 35 years ago, it's great to see it evolving and changing. COVID obviously has brought out a hell, a heck of a lot more golfers. And they know quality and and value. And it's great to see it so busy. And it's great for our golfers, both on the women's team and the men's team, to have a home. How has the athlete changed over the last 30 years? Because in all sports, 
kids are more specialized now, or maybe they got a swing coach or a nutritionist. The athlete today that you have, how different is it from when you started here? They definitely come in more polished. Uh, there's just so much information. You become almost an interpreter of YouTube of what they, they're able to see content 24 hours a day, and they might want to try something. At, it's mostly to keep them focused and keep them working on the correct fundamentals, at least for them. Like that might've been great what you saw for someone else and it worked for them. I guess just to avoid the, the pixie dust being thrown on them, that this little thing is going to help me just, I guess, making sure they're focusing on the correct fundamentals for their golf game, because the information that they have at their disposal is, is unbelievable. And they do have, they come in more polished. They, you know, have gone through many more lessons, both through content and through, you know, they're either their hometown golf professional or swing coach. So it's just helping them then make that transition because the only thing in our sport is that there's really nothing that gets you ready for college golf. Even, you know, the junior golf and, and all the tournaments, you, you, it gets you prep, prepared to a certain level, but then it, it becomes it's super difficult. It's almost diabolical and to a point that they can't understand. So to make that jump, to have their game elevate and to become elite is a process. And they have to get through some serious progressions. It'd be like recruiting a basketball player on eight foot rims and, hey, in college, we're going to play at 10. Just because our distances are so long. I mean, you know, they play junior golf at 64 to 6,800 maybe. And we play from 7,000 to 7,400. And it's that jump and being able to hit your, I guess, six iron through your hybrid, almost as accurate as you hit your pitching, you know, your gap wedge through your eight iron. I mean, that ball control and distance control, flight control are all things that, you know, college golfers just have to get through the progressions as quick as possible. Speaking of getting through the progressions, one of the things that we've seen over the years, Kent had the corner on people going to the professional ranks. Now you're seeing more of your former student athletes start to get in there. We saw what Brett White was able to do getting on the PGA Tour. He's been playing on the Corn Ferry Tour. You see Cougar Collins trying to make a splash. You see Stewart over in, in, in Ireland, all those guys. Now, what does it mean for you professionally to see them start to have this success now? Yeah, and they had, you know, Cam Burke and Corey Mahoney before them with what they were able to do, you know, playing in, you know, four or five uh, PGA Tour tournaments. And really, Cam was in that first group, 2008, 2009. He was the first group where he actually made it through the PGA Tour qualifying. But it was the first year where you go to Corn Ferry instead of the PGA Tour. Corey obviously had a had an incredible career. And they got to kind of be around them, but then, but that's you know, you're kind of standing on their on their shoulders, and that kind of helped. I mean, the the guys that came in behind them, whether it was Michael Blair, Stuart Graham, Brett White, all those guys. But you know, you need to have status, and you know, whether it's on the Latin American tour or you know, Stuart where he's over on the Champions Tour. Uh, you know, Ty Saloni, Cougar Collins, Zach Sadinsky, they're all, you have to do these, you have to just stay active, but to get status and to get the ultimate, to get to the Corn Ferry or the PGA Tour, you know, the, and the Canadian Tour and the Latin American Tour, 
our vehicles and vessels to get there, but you really have to play consistently elite and be in the top five to then get the golden ticket to go on. But I, they're all doing quite well. You know, Brett had that monster PGA Tour event in Mississippi that it makes him healthy. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to be able to stick around for a lot longer. And he's getting, you know, and then, you know, through his story, he was able to get some some help financially. And that's what you need. You need time, right? Yeah. And both, I know Cougar, Ty, Michael Blair, and Brett White for now, and Stewart, of course, they are They've got the resources and the funding, and they're about at that age where it's time to connect. You know, you know, Greg, I think has given up hopes on the PGA, but we're getting yeah, in, I'm we're, past that. We're getting him ready for the senior circuit now. But if you were to give advice to someone like Greg or those people trying to improve their game, what's the best piece of advice that might take a couple strokes off somebody's game? Well, it's definitely work on the short game. I mean, for any any amateurs, I mean, just to be able to be able to pitch it and chip it and maybe two putt instead of three putt. I mean, that's the easiest way to I do a lot reduce, of three Yeah. That's the easiest way to reduce scores. And then, you know, obviously there's some course management, getting some of those egos in check, not hitting your driver all the time. <laughs> some course <laughs> management. Heck, we, we try to do that with our college golfers, let alone amateur golfers. But What's your handicap, Bruce? Oh, about a, I think on my index around a three point one at the moment. Used to be a scratch, but it's moving in the wrong direction See, at the moment. I, I hate myself for not playing college golf because I look at your schedule. You're going to play at Pinehurst, right? Yes. That's coming up on the schedule, and I'm like, why did I play college football? You guys are in warm locations. You're playing courses like Pinehurst. It's yeah. a dream come true. Yeah, we get to play at some incredible facilities. Yeah, Mid Pines down in in Pinehurst, and I think we're on the. Uh, we're on the trail down at uh, South Alabama's tournament. The, we're, f- we're very fortunate in Division One golf that, you know, they do get to play at some incredible venues that, but we need to have the venues that give us the, the needed yardage. And so a lot of times those are some of the, the better places you can play. Now we do have to play, our tournaments are on Mondays and Tuesdays a lot to do that. Maybe not on the weekends, except for the university owned ones like, Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State wants to get ready for the MAC championship. But yeah, we're fortunate to play some really, really nice venues. You opened the season uh, last week in uh, Florida, able to get match play. When you look at match play versus stroke play, how do you think that translates to the rest of your season coming up since you don't really play it again Mm -hmm. until you would get to the NCAA championships? Yeah, I think, you know, for Northern schools, you know, the Big Ten has match play the big east has a match play we kind of rebranded ours through the uh, you know the mac a10 match play it's a good way to to get started you know all six guys played extremely well i think i counted up we had about you know 12 of the 18 rounds were now you don't get to play all 18 holes sometimes but they were we we played really well you have to you're, you're you know you can leave a hole go i mean so you lose a hole maybe you win the hole but the next it's like next hole best hole uh, concept, but to to see them, I guess, execute on some of the things that we're trying to do. Obviously, in match play, if you make a bogey and the other guy pars, it's a loss of hole. And what we're trying to do this year, you know, you can't, you can try it. The concept is to uh, not eliminate bogeys, but to limit bogeys. Yep. And I think we've got to do a much better job of that 
in our stroke pay stroke play look we play a a good percentage of holes really really well but then you just can't make those unforced errors you have to reduce that it's easier said than done and again it's back to progressions it's you know, ball control, course management, all, all types of things that go in it, just executing what you think is somewhat of an easy pitch or chip, but you do have to get it to within two, three feet and then get it in the hole as opposed to maybe getting it to six, seven or eight feet. Somebody said, oh, that's a good shot. Yeah, it was okay. But to really be elite, it to get to that two to three feet level where it's just almost automatic, those are the little things that we just have to get better at. This spring, and it's a great way to get started. And then you hope that it it does, you know, you can cash it in and and get it done out of Palm Valley, which we have had a lot of success at Palm Valley in the past. In the past, so this is going to be no different yeah, this some year. Some of your all-time lowest rounds yeah, are there. Absolutely, both. I mean, both single round records, team records. Uh, you just have to attack because it's. There's some drive, not there's some reachable par five, so it may say par 72 on the scorecard, but it's depending on the wind direction if there is any. Sometimes it's like playing in a bubble out there, but it's par 69, par 70, just because you have to treat those par fives as par fours. Bruce, and maybe this has already happened because you've played a lot of golf, but if you could play golf with any golfer of any era at any time, who would you want to play around with? No, I mean it's a great question. Jeez, any. Tell you what, any former PGA Tour player would be fine with me. I mean, just anybody that's ever been in the in the show. I mean, I would take take any anyone. I don't know if you had a dream golfer, if it was Jack, if it was. Yeah, I grew up Arnold. in Ohio, so obviously, yeah, I would love you know Jack Nicklaus, you know, and then new age, you know, Tiger Woods, any of those. But but really, anybody that has been on tour that you would get a chance to play with and maybe pick their brains a little bit. What would you ask them? What would be that question you want to know about being on the tour? Well, I think more, you know, I guess both preparation and then consistency, just how you were able to, to get into that moment every single round and, you know, deal with the, deal with the pressure, deal with the scoring. Uh, you know, there are scoreboards out there, you know, how does, but it's really more about course management, uh, situational golf, like, and then just things that they picked up on that they, that they had to do to make themselves consistent or to open up their minds for, you know, scoring and to compete. And just because when everybody's an alpha male and everybody is out for the same, it's like, what did you have to do to get to that level? And what, you know, what progressions did you feel you had to get through to, to get to that level where you felt content, you know, like, okay, this week, is going to be my week. Like you just have that feeling. And what what did you have to do in preparation to get to that point to where you felt confident each time you step you stepped in? You know, it's, it's one thing to play on Thursday and Friday, but it's another another thing to play on the weekend. And Bruce, we'll bring this all full circle as we we wrap up this interview. You look at it a little over a month ago. You opened the uh, new Game Above Golf Performance Facility. Granted, you can't see all what's transpired and what's going to happen in just the quick month of it, but how do you think it's already helped your golfers in just this short time period? Oh, it's definitely a game changer. It's uh, it's great to have a home, both for the women's team and the men's team. I mean, it's going to be an incredible legacy to leave any golfer who chooses to come to Eastern Michigan in the future and to have a home. Look, I think any group would have been great to start this, but 
we've got, you know, for us, we've got 10 guys and they are all equally passionate about the game of golf and about competing and about, they just love the game so much. And so they can be there, you know, as much as they want. I guess what I'm happy about is just the accountability um, through TrackMan. You know, some of the things that we have to get better at was reducing side spin or distance control on that. And then Envyscapes, Preston Moon did our, did our green. And just the way that a ball can check and is somewhat lifelike. And like he had described to me, it's not about what, you know, anybody can, you know, the green looks the same. It's like what's underneath mm-hmm. that when they do hit pitch shots and chip shots, that it's somewhat lifelike. I did see, I did see us execute a lot better at the match play and take advantage of opportunities. Our short game, to me, they looked a lot better, just, you know, if you compare it from year to year. But look, we had only been in there for maybe three yeah, three right. weeks before then. So it's it's really going to be t- nice to see how they build on this. And I think it's just each each day, each week is is going to get better as they as they build on their fundamentals and build on their confidence and what exactly needs to be done and where their game has to be to compete at the highest level. Plus, Tom, I'm sure his wife's a little happier. His trunk of his car resembled a small Dunham's back there with <laughs> everything he would keep in it because they had no home. Now he's got a place for it, yeah, yeah, which helps out a great deal. Yeah, we were America's guest, yeah. And we, but we had some great support here, I, you know, within a 10-minute drive usually of our of our. Campus, whether it was Washtenaw Country Club, Miles of Golf, Fox Hills, you know, Stonebridge, that you know, everybody had a hand in our success leading up to this point. Not that we won't need; the, it's just you don't need them as much. I mean, you know, the golf course is truly. It's nice to be able to get away from from Eagle Crest. We love Eagle Crest, and I'm glad it's in the top ten. But you also need to be able to take your game on the road. Yeah. So it's great to have the support of all the golf courses here in our. Uh, you know, within a 10-minute drive, you know, Travis Point Country Club, any any of the other country clubs, Barton Hills, that that have been really nice to us in the past and hopefully will continue in the future. We appreciate your time, Bruce. Thanks for joining us. No, thank you. I appreciate it. There's only one podcast in Washtenaw County that takes you inside the athletic department every single week. The Eastern Insider Podcast. Your home for all things Eastern all the time. This has been another edition of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or your home smart device for all of our episodes on demand.